Welcome to another episode of Call It In The Ring, episode two. Tonight we're talking about, it's gotta be Kane. It's gotta be Kane. I am Jordan here along with Ed. How you doing tonight, buddy? Oh, I'm all right, man. You know, I'm ready to go. Um, you know, I, I, I was excited to do this because, you know, as, as a guy who's most likely, and I can't say for sure, but I can't see why not, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, it's definitely cool to kind of talk about somebody that is a part of my first real wrestling experience and memory. Sure. So, you know, I was excited to talk about it when, when he's when he's wrapping, sort of wrapping down his career. So, you know, yeah, I'm excited to, to, to go back and look at some of those things and excited to talk about them with you, brother. Oh, absolutely. I, Kane was a character for the first time ever, and it's never happened since, where I was legitimately terrified and thought that it was real. Uh, yeah. Because it was just terrifying. I mean, like, The Undertaker was never terrifying because The Undertaker had his gimmick, but you knew he wasn't dead. You know, that was his thing, even as a young 10-year-old boy, you know. but yeah, when, he, was, he was the dead man, though. Like, that was his yeah. thing. Yeah. But when Kane came out, the music, the 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 uh, the gimmick, the costume, the mask, and then every time he enters the ring, he puts his arms up and his hands down, and boom, Pyro comes up and is like, "Oh my God, this guy's literally, literally Satan!" Shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it, like it scared the shit out of me, bro. You know, I spent an entire two episodes, mostly the first one, but an entire two episodes talking shit on the creative abilities of Vince McMahon. And I will tell you, Kane is one of the best things Vince McMahon, and I'm giving him all the credit here. I don't know if he deserves it or not, but I'm giving him the credit anyway. Sure. You know, I, he is one of the greatest things he ever did. Like, and it was, a, it was a side story kind of, kind of sort of when they introduced Kane, like, Paul Bear was all pissed off at The Undertaker, blah, 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 right? We'll, we'll get like, into We'll get into Yeah, but, like, they, they, what I'm getting at is, like, they told the story over the course of several weeks about Kane having a brother. Undertaker burned down his whole, his family's funeral home, killed his whole family. And it's like, you know, I, I know about Kane. I know about your brother. And, 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 then, and then he went on to have – like the Undertaker went on to have a regular, well, not even a regular match, a different storyline with Shawn Michaels. He had, he had a, a fight with Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden, here's Kane. You know, yep. so like, and with you're right, that music, the ability to to come to the ring in that big imposing figure with the mask because he was a burn victim, so to speak, and and you know the pyro. It's it was the experience was was literally terrifying as a kid yes 100 percent agree with you i agree so we're gonna get into the nuts and bolts of king here in a little bit everybody we're gonna talk about his early career all the way up till now most recently this is gonna be an episode devoted to nothing but Kane. now one would argue that Kane is not the most popular wrestler nowadays or even was the most popular wrestler back then but we wanted to do our first episode solely on a wrestler about Kane because we think that Kane is kind of like an unsung hero 
because he has been there since 1992. And I'm well, I mean, he's been wrestling since 92, but he's been a part of WWF, WWE since 1995. But and now he is a mayor. So uh, kudos. Mayor of Knox County. Congratulations on your election, Glenn Jacobs. So, and we wanted to say before we start our episode of Kane right now, uh, we really do appreciate everybody downloading our uh, episode uh, a few weeks ago about SummerSlam 2001. Ed and I had a great freaking time reliving all the storylines and rewatching that pay-per-view and, and talking about SummerSlam 01. So I know the pilot is like our first episode, but our first episode of SummerSlam 2001 was a great time. And we are looking forward to give you guys more pay-per-views. Uh, reviews or retrospectives, I would say, nostalgia trips in the future. So let's talk about Kane. Kane is actually, uh, Kane started, well, the actual guy's name, of course, is Glenn Jacobs, and he was born in 1967 on April 26. He's 51 years old now. And he is not an American, which I did not know. I thought he was an American, but he was born in Spain, Mm -hmm. which I had no idea. But uh, but um, you know he's been married. So parts to this- unknown, bro. Yeah, parts unknown, right? Um, <laughs> I cannot I cannot say the name of the town or the city he was born in, uh, but uh, it was Tori John de Adras, Spain. Anyway, <laughs> something beyond your capabilities. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we'll just uh, say parts unknown. Parts unknown. Uh, yeah. But uh, just just somebody. This is fun for me to know. But uh, he's been married to the same woman, Crystal, since 1995. Uh, he has two children, and he has a bachelor's degree from Northwest Missouri State University. Um, at his high peak, uh, Kane was seven feet tall exactly and weighed at 323. So that's that's big. He was trained by Dean Malenko, by the way. But Kane first started uh, as a wrestler that I don't know anything about, but his first character was called Angus King, and he debuted in Missouri – in the CSWA, uh, which was actually uh, run by his childhood friend, Mark Morton. So he didn't do much with that wrestling association. He also went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 1993, and he was called Unabomb. That's a yes. terrible, terrible name. <laughs> uh, he actually won his first, uh, Kane actually won his first title uh, with Smoky Mountain Wrestling as a tag team champion with Al Snow, and they were called the Dynamic Duo, which is something that's been a huge part in Kane's career, from you know obviously from the from the beginnings up through now. You know he's held the the, the tag titles with multiple different guys, including X Pac, and now with you know his brother uh, his brother the undertaker his brother i say in air quotes even though it's an audio show sure um and and you know most recently uh may, well maybe not most recently but i think most famously excuse me that's what i was meant to say with with daniel bryan team hell no team hell no which had their second run most recently yes um now, Jacobs changed his character again. So already from 1992 to 1995, he started off as a guy named Angus King. Then he was Unabomb. And then he became uh, Doomsday, which that's when he won his first USWA heavyweight title. Now, I did not know this about Kane and doing my research and everything, Ed. Kane was in WCW only once. He well, was there for I, only one match, 
and it, it, it was he and it was his first and only match, and he lost it to Sting in 1994, and it, he was named Doomsday. I'm sorry, I'm I... sorry, sorry. He was named. Okay, I'm completely. I, I wrote my notes down. I'm sorry, fans. So after USWA, he went to WCW in 1994. They changed his name from Doomsday to Bruzo Massantino, and he lost his first and only match to Sting. Sorry about that, everybody. Ah, well, that's okay. We all make mistakes. It happens. If you get your notes jumbled up there, it's cool. I got but my think, of, think about that. The one and only match you have in, in a promotion is against, and Sting. I don't even know when this is, but Sting was the draw in WCW throughout basically its entirety. You know, he was the number one draw. And the guy's basically the biggest legend in the history of, like, Southern wrestling. Was, part, you, know? you and I will go fisticuffs on that at a later show. <laughs> Well, let's just let's just talk. Well, okay, in Jim Crockett in Jim Crockett's wrestling region, how about yeah, that? In the, if you can go with that, I would. I would also. I would totally disagree with you and say that Ric Flair was bigger than Sting. Well, Ric Flair was the NWA World Title, like World Champ. Like he was. It wasn't just like like Ric Flair was the guy that went to to Tennessee and went to Texas and went to Nebraska as the world champ. You know what I mean? He was that guy. So, he, yeah, he was – he he maybe had, you know, been built out of Charlotte, North Carolina and, you know, came out of North, North Carolina. But he – Ric Flair was the NWA world champ. So, like, he, he, was, yeah. he was national by, you know, by, by, by the 70s. Now, I, I don't know about you, Ed, and I don't know about the fans that are listening to the show, but, you know, I really love wrestling. Ed, you really love wrestling. That's why we're doing the show. Mm-hmm. But going just from 92 to 95, that is three years, right? Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine this, living a life of this. In three years, he was Angus King at one promotion. Then the guy was uh, Doomsday in another promotion, right? Then the guy won the tag team titles with Al Snow in another promotion. This guy went through four, including WCW. Four different promotions in three years. Like, how do you have a family? I just, well, you, wow. You got to think, like, guys in that era, and Kane came up in an old school way, right? So guys from that era, that's how they made their living. You know, you could only stay so long in a certain region for the most part. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There were some guys, you know, who, who, who stayed in a certain area because they were over. And they were able to be continuously over. And we'll talk about this later, but that's why, like, you know, we'll talk about this later about Kane, but guys kind of sort of got boring to a certain degree. You know, that's why, you, you know, what when we continue to do this show and when we continue to talk about, like, wrestlers, you'll see guys from that era, not today, not in the last really 20, 25 years, but basically, let's just call it, let's just call it 25 years and over, you know, those wrestlers would stay in a certain area and then the promote, then they would go to a different area and that promoter in that, in that region or that, or from that promotion would be like, no, you're going to be this dude or you're going to be this character. I've got this in mind for you. 
and they would do it because you know it's not you're not nationally known you're, you're only known to a certain region so you're when you're in you know when you're in the south or you're in the new york region or you're in kansas you know like guys would see you know you have have, have a have an audience of a hundred people at best in like kansas you know what i mean and you had to get you had to win over those you know those couple of hundred people then after a while your character sort of ran dry right and you'd go to texas or you'd go to you know nebraska or you go to missouri and you'd go to those places and that guy would say this is who you're going to be while you're here and this is what i want you to do so yes you're right over the course of about three years came I don't know how he did it. Oh, I don't know how those guys did it. It's just, that's why they became buddies and long car rides. Like that's the history of wrestling, you know, 300 mile car rides. When you think about it, like, I'm just going to give you a perfect example of somebody like Shawn Michaels, right? Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty formed, you know, the, the, the rockers because they were in the same promotion and they became buddies and they would ride, to, they would ride together. Yeah, that's also kind of how the click formed in Red Dead WWF. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's how these those guys were in the car for eight hours together at a time, and they became best friends, and then they formed shit, shit. Then they formed, then they formed tag teams. By the way, I just want to point out uh, that out of your whole statement there, the only thing that I found adorable was that you said Missouri. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. I find it a little freaky that you said adorable, but I'll take it. Well, you're from Pennsylvania. You should have no accent at all. Uh, boy, I live in Pennsylvania. You forget I grew up in I grew up in North Carolina, and I uh, lived in and lived in Tampa, Florida for a while. You know, I lived is in Phoenix just, for a while. Is it soda or is it pop? Oh, it's soda. It's, ah, it's soda. fuck you. Where I when I where I lived at in North Carolina, right? You, what you would do is like you'd go up to a, you'd be at a restaurant, yeah, and you had every intention of let's say ordering a Sprite or a Pepsi. And you bought the wait, waitress would come up to you and they'd be like, "What kind of Coke you want?" And you're like, "Well, I want Coke." You know, just for example. No, no, no what kind of Coke you want? Oh, I'll take a Sprite. Oh, I'll take a Pepsi. It's not soda or pop. It's Coke. Well, what if I, I want a Coca Cola? And you tell them what kind of Coke you want. Coca Cola. God, the South is. What kind of Coke you want? Diet. God damn. What kind of Coke you want? You got what? What, what kind of Coke do you have? Oh, we got Pepsi products. I'm so like glad that. the North won the war. I'm so glad. Like, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, there are obvious other reasons for that, including the outlaw slavery. However, it was a very cute colloquialism. for what The Silver War was based on soda or pop. That's what I'm going to go with. Let's go back <laughs> You're to You're okay, Trump, and <laughs> your revisionist history. I hate Trump, but anyway, we'll get back into it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not talk about politics. Let's, not, let's, yeah. let's talk about Kane. Let's talk about so, Glenn Jacobs. So, so in 1995, Jacobs goes into WWF, and uh, he his his name is Mike Unibom, and he debuts on February 20th, 1995, on a Raw taping, and his first match was a dark match against Reno Riggins, which I have no idea who the hell that is, and <laughs> um, and uh, Mike Unibom wrestles under that name all the way through the year. Uh, his first television appearance, now where people actually know Glenn Jacobs. He is, and you know because we make fun of it, his WWF television debut was on June 26, 1995, on an episode of Raw, and he was billed as Isaac Yankum 
DDS, Jerry Lawler's private dentist. <laughs> Let's talk about this. My God. Okay, so this is where I agree with you, but this is where I slit your throat, Ed. Okay. I don't think that without maybe a, a, a select few has Vince McMahon really got the wrestlers that we know and love really got who their character was off the bat. I mean, for an example, now I know you hire Glenn Jacobs. The first thing you don't say in your mind is, hey, I have this guy named Undertaker and I'm going to make them brothers. I mean, I know you're not going to come up with a great idea like that right off the bat. Right. But I will agree with you. Hey, you are a seven foot motherfucker. I'm going to make you the dentist. And the Vince McMahon voice. Like, he was he was the psychotic dentist. Jerry Lawler's personal dentist. And it's like, <laughs> Vince, what the fuck are you doing? This is the guy who came up with the gobbledygooker. So, like, I, I didn't. And you remember, I don't remember the guy's name, but remember the dude who came out with a, with a glitter stormtrooper mask? And then fell through, and then he fell through like the stage or something like that. I have seen images. I've never seen yeah, the clip. Yeah. But, but then, but then people like, but then, but then Vince McMahon has flashes of greatness. Like, you know, when he gets Dustin, I know it's not Dustin Rhodes, but still, you know, the Rhodes family, Dustin. And he gets hired on to WWF, and they're like, your name is going to be Gold Dust. And you're going to be covered in head to toe, and you're going to be gold. And it's like, Good idea right off the bat. Undertaker was the Undertaker, you know. But then you got Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know. He he came to WWF as the ringmaster. And then it's like, it's just interesting how this guy comes up with characters. But that's what he did. He was, uh, he was the dentist for all of 1995. Just, yeah. just terrible. In 1996, though... Two guys leave the WWF, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. At mm. this point, the WWF is filing a lawsuit against WCW because WWF is suing WCW because of Razor and uh, Kevin Nash. Or Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are using the character likeness of Razor. Well, before you before you jump into what I think you're going to get to, you got to do you remember SummerSlam 1995? Yes, of course I do. Isaac Yankum had a fantastic, fantastic match against Bret Hart. I mean, well, it was quick, and you know, it was what it was. But like, legitimately, this is a, this is like a case in point for Kane over the course of his career, right? Like, Kane's been used to put guys over, right? Like, we're gonna, we're, I think we're gonna come to that conclusion at some point. He fucking put Bret Hart over. And it, was, and it was fantastic. You've got, if you, you know, I, fans, I want you to go up. I want you to go to the WWE Network. Jordan, you as well. Go to SummerSlam 1995. And I don't remember how long the match was, but it was like three minutes. It was a Santino Morello style match against a dude who's seven foot tall, 300 pounds. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, it's ridiculous because in that match, uh, Yankum, the dentist, uh, was actually disqualified when he hung hard by twisting him on the top and middle ropes by his neck. Mm -hmm. And then he lost 
uh, uh, and then he lost in October uh, in a steel cage match uh, to uh, to Bret Hart. So I just found, I mean, God, what a what a shit show of a match. Well, yeah, and you got to realize, but that but that's my point. Like, and we're gonna get to this, and I hate to to sort of jump the gun. I think because this is Kane has been used to get guys over, and Glenn Jacobs has made an, uh, a long, illustrious career of getting guys over. Sure. You know, and a lot of guys would have given it up. Yeah. To be honest. Well, like like I was saying, I mean, Yankum, Jerry Lawless, personal dentist, had an interesting run in 1995. There's not much to talk about it because of a few things. One, Ed and I don't really find that character interesting. And also, two there's so much to talk about with Kane that we just can't go on the single. But in 1996, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall leave. So then Vince McMahon has another brilliant idea. Uh, I got an idea. Let's go ahead and change daddy. Uh, daddy. Let's go ahead and yeah. Isaac Yankum, Jerry Lawler's dentist, and let's call him fake diesel. And then Rick Bonner was r- fake razor Ramon. And yeah. they won the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. Think about that. How think about how big of a fuck you that was, not only to WCW but to both, both Kevin Hall or Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. See, I don't know if it was a fuck you because the whole point of the lawsuit was Vince didn't care that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall went to WCW. It's just that when Scott Hall went over to WCW first before Kevin Nash, he had the he had the razor haircut. He did the hey yo and Chico and all that shit that he was doing Mm -hmm. in WWF. And that's what Vince McMahon was suing over. So Vince McMahon owned the rights to the characters and their traits of Diesel and Razor. That's what I think. And then since they left, it was probably him saying, and I could be wrong, Vince saying, you know what? I don't need Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to be these roles. Anybody can be Diesel and Razor. Well, he found out that year that's not true. Yeah, well, yeah. No way in hell. Just, just no way. Uh, Diesel and uh, and well, fake Diesel and fake Razor last appeared on television at the 1997 Royal Rumble, um, and there was they were tied or something like that. I forget the actual match, um, but he continued to work as fake Diesel all the way from January to April that year. Okay, mm-hmm. but now we get what we came here to talk about what the fans want to talk about. In 1997, in April 1997, Jacobs is gone. Nobody really notices, right? But at a pay-per-view in your house, number 14, Revenge of the Taker, Undertaker shoots a fireball in the face of Paul Bear. And Paul Bear goes away, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he comes back, and he says that he is going to reveal Undertaker's big secret. Nobody knows what that is. I don't know what that is. I'm 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 watching wrestling, like I don't know what I can compare it as, but I'm I'm just watching wrestling every Monday at this point. So I jump into wrestling 1997 when this storyline starts to unfold. Mm-hmm. This is when I start. So I'm 10 years old. And I started watching wrestling religiously after In Your House 14, Revenge of the Taker. So I see all of this live. Oh, my God. Did you have any speculation or did you have any idea 
about what this big surprise of the Undertaker was because they didn't say it right off the bat. They were like, "You, I'm going to reveal your biggest secret, Undertaker." What was his? What was his thing? We don't remember. I mean, like, what was it? That was the big storyline. I would argue. Yeah, um, you know, and here's the like, here's the thing with that. Like, that's the that's the that's realistically one of the longest run storylines with without like a, a pay per view match. It took a year for Undertaker and eventually what would be Kane to have a match. That would be at WrestleMania 14. Right. So if I remember right, uh, you know, yeah, he threw, Undertaker put a fireball into, into uh, which was cool, real cool, into Paul Bear's face. Um, and he came back and over several weeks, you know, says, I have your deepest, darkest secret. You know, I know you burned out, you burned down your family's home, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and then he's the undertaker over the court. And I don't remember exactly how it happened. The undertaker's like, no, that was my brother Kane. He's a pyromaniac and they're all dead. It's all dead because of, because of my brother. And then Paul Bear's like, no, he's been locked in my basement for 30 years, <laughs> growing into seven foot tall monster. Leatherface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now there's something that I found interesting about this, and I watched the episode at least five times to make sure that my notes were correct. But you know how people always think that something in pop culture is true when it really isn't? Like, for an example, because sure. we're going to be reviewing it on our, on our other show, Movie Guest Podcast, eventually. But Halloween, right? Uh, I've always known that Michael Myers was Laurie Strode's brother, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not. The first movie never said that. That was the sequel when they're in the hospital where they reveal that information, right? Right. Same, same as people saying that Jason is always the killer in Friday the 13th. No, he wasn't. His mom was. Well, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because Paul Bear said, and I wrote this down, his quote was, right, that Paul Bear revealed, revealed that it's that Kane, he says, Kane is coming to the WWF to challenge you. Kane is my son. Your half brother. So they are establishing that Bear fucked Undertaker's mom. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Kane and Taker are not brothers; they're half brothers. Sure. I always, and, and the reason why I find interest is because if you were to tell me who's Kane and Undertaker, oh, they're brothers. No, they're half brothers. I found that interesting, and that Vince McMahon was going to do the storyline that Paul Bear banged Undertaker's mom. I just found that absolutely ridiculous. I but, totally forgot about that part. <laughs> Ed, controversial question here for you, okay? Okay. We know the Undertaker as the dead man. He never had a past. He was just a guy that came in in Survivor Series and just completely destroyed people, right? Mm-hmm. The gimmick is he is the Grim Ripper, essentially. Right, he's just—he's dead. He's—he's he's the dead man. Yeah. Is this kind of bullshit that we know that Undertaker was his character was born of human parents? Is it kind of bullshit that his parents lived in a in a in a in a funeral home? Isn't also kind of bullshit to know that Paul Bearer banged his mom, knowing you know that he's this supernatural being? Is that kind of bullshit? Well, remember how I said that, like, characters get stale in promotions, right? Sure. Same thing with 
national and by this point international promotions characters get stale that's why guys and you mentioned like scott hall before he was in wcw as he was the diamond stud in wcw goes to wwe as razor ramon hones his craft and then comes back to wcw as the outsider one of half of the outsiders and completely turns the wrestling world on its head right so these guys in WWE, in order to not get stale, they have to change. We'll talk, like, for example, we'll talk later about how how Kane took his mask off, and then Kane became, like, corporate Kane and stuff like that. This is the, You can't change the story of The Undertaker, but they had to humanize him a little bit. You think because, so? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I, I feel like in order to make him relevant, you have to create an arch enemy at this point in his career. But do you think that Vince McMahon could have done something different besides saying that they're brothers and that Undertaker was born of human parents and they were all human until this one night where it changed Undertaker and Kane forever? But let's be realistic. Does that matter when you can bill it as brother versus brother at WrestleMania, which is what they're building it to? That is a very fucking valid point. I mean, that, that's a valid point. I'm just asking, you know, like, is it? No, I, I, I get it. I mean, yeah, the whole, you know, Paul Bear bang, Undertaker bomb thing. Okay, maybe there's a storyline that we're forgetting. And please, fans, don't, don't, you know, don't hesitate to tweet at us if we're forgetting something because we're just wrestling fans. Unlike a lot of other podcasts, we're not insiders. We're not guys who spent 30 years in the business, got fired for one thing or another, and then, you know, made, and then, got went broke and we needed a podcast like this is what we love right so we love professional wrestling and we're talking about this basically from road memory and then we go on the network and rewatch some things to talk about but most of this is from memory so please don't hesitate to correct us when we're wrong we want that we want the engagement absolutely but but yeah, but at the same time like i feel like maybe that didn't necessarily matter because the, the goal was to create an arch enemy for the Undertaker that then, be, that then grew its own legs, right? And he went on to have, like, you know, he went on to, like, destroy the – he went on to destroy fucking the Nation of Domination. He went on to destroy the Legion of Doom. You know, like, he was the guy after the – or before the Undertaker would fight him. Like he went through the entire roster, the under and the, that created the hero that is the Undertaker, and we were able to bill it as we the you know WWE was able to bill brother versus brother, give the re, give the Undertaker a reason to have a match and be the hero, right? Because he wasn't getting title runs. The Undertaker wasn't getting title runs then. I'm, you know, not that I can remember. I'm not going to say yeah. yay or nay because I don't. I don't remember, and I didn't go into Undertaker research, so I don't. Neither, know. neither did I. But if I can remember right, the Undertaker they had no intention on giving him title title runs. Yeah, and they, he and I think if I remember right, it was like 16 years. It could have been 12. I don't remember exactly, but it was over 10 years in between title runs for the Undertaker. It was. It was, it was either SummerSlam. It was either SummerSlam '98 or SummerSlam '99. Somewhere around there, 97, 98, where, where uh, Undertaker had a title shot. I think it was 99. 
or uh, I'm sorry, 98, where he had a title shot against uh, Stone Cold uh, at SummerSlam, Madison Square Garden. The last thing that happens before Kane officially debuts is Undertaker comes out on Raw in October, and he confesses because Paul Bear was saying that you burned the Undertaker's house down, uh, the Undertaker's parents' house down, blah, blah, blah. You did this. You did this. Undertaker denied, denied, denied. While on that October issue in 1998 of Raw, Undertaker finally comes out and says that he confesses to burning down the home and he calls himself the Dark Priest, which will later be adapted to his 1999 gimmick, the Ministry of Darkness. Mm-hmm. But Kane officially comes out in bad blood in your house, October 5th, 1997. Um, we're not going to talk about the Hell in the Cell match. Uh, I'm going to make that very clear to all the fans because that's for another episode. But um, what a hell of a match that was. I believe that was the – was that the first or the second? I think that was the first. What, the first uh, the hell first Hell in a Cell? I, yeah, it was the first Hell in a Cell match. It was the first pay-per-view I ever got. Oh, okay, as cool. Kid, as a kid. It was the, my very first pay-per-view. And I – was I mean I watched Raw. I begged my dad. I, I begged and begged and begged and did a ton of chores for my dad to, to spend what fifty bucks on a pay per view. Back for something then, that yeah. he didn't care about. Now that's the thing. Before you continue, I actually did research on this because I wanted to bring this up. The whole in your house gimmick, right? The reason why they did mm-hmm. in your house was because a regular pay per view, the Big Four, right? Mm-hmm. Those were three hours long back in the eighties and nineties. Those were top $50, $60, $70 a pay-per-view, the big four. Mm-hmm. The whole point of In Your House was to have a two-hour pay-per-view, and it was at a cheap cost of $25.99. Okay. But back then, my whole point is, and I'm going to let you finish the story, is $25.99 for a 10-year-old boy is like a million dollars back then. So for, oh, you to work, so for you to work your ass off, for your dad to pay $26 to see a pay-per-view was take you out to the pasture and shoot you. You're done. Your life's complete at that point. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it wasn't easy either. Like that back nowadays, you could just click on your cable thing. No, back then you had to call your cable provider. Yes. You could like three right. days. You couldn't just do it on Sunday. You no. had to do it like three days in advance, like Friday during business hours and call your cable provider and ask them to add the pay-per-view to your bill. And assuming the person did their job, then mm-hmm. at, at 7 to 30, 8 o'clock on Sunday night, the pay-per-view would show up. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you bring about that you talk about that because that's right. I mean, like nowadays I don't do pay-per-views because I have the network. Why would I? Sure, but, sure. If, but, there, but if there was no network and everything else was the same, I would have to, Go on the website of my provider. I would click on it. Boom, done, easy. But back then in 1997, oh, fuck yeah, 98, oh, God. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah, like my dad had to take time. And my my dad at the time was working construction. You know, he wasn't in an office setting at that point yet. So, like, he, you know, God bless the guy. He had to take time out of his day. And on his lunch break or whenever he did it, you know, he had to take time, find a pay phone because cell phones were starting. But like my dad's been an old school dude, right? Like, sure. he, you know, he probably had the bag phone at that point, like a company provided bag phone that had 30 minutes a month. 
right? Yeah. So he had to find a pay phone or use a customer's phone to call to call the local cable company and ask them to do it. He had to bring his cable bill with him to work, and so that he could put his they could give he could give his account number. Oh no, it was crazy back then. So yeah, for this being your first pay per view, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. So we don't know Kane's coming out. Uh, we kind of forget about the story match, uh, and great Hell in the Cell match. We'll get into that at a later episode, and then Undertaker's going to defeat Shawn Michaels. It's going to happen, and all of a sudden, bang! Pyro happens with flames. Paul Bear comes out in a red uh, red suit with Kane, and Vincent Man is screaming, "It's got to be Kane!" And wow. <laughs> The image, because we know that he was a burn victim, so the only thing showing was his left arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, so his left arm's the only thing that's good. Oh my god! Like, what's this guy look underneath? I was so scared. I was wondering what this guy looked like underneath. The image that I painted in my head was totally different in the later. Oh, god, yeah, like oh, the black, god. the black eyes, the the red mask, the. The red suit that mimicked flames, you know, the 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 devilish organ music. And I also like the one white eye. Yeah. Yeah. A, like his, his eye was they, so burned, you know, like they ah. were legit. They sold they sold that thing legit. Like <laughs> and they did a fantastic job. Exactly um, because the design and thought process behind this character. Because if because if the Undertaker is the Grim Reaper, well then who better to be his villain arch nemesis than Satan himself? What do they call him? The, the devil's favorite demon? Something like that. It was, yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great. Under uh, so Kane shows up, takes the cell off the door. People are blown away great little gimmick by the way because we know now it was staged but it was just a great little gimmick and he does the one thing to undertaker the undertaker always does he tombstone pile drives undertaker and gets Shawn michaels to win in the hell in the cell match just wow crazy that debut and you could see the look in undertaker's face undertaker sold it like crazy right god yeah yeah, like he's so, like the look on his face when when Kane came out, and we didn't even know Kane was coming out. Like they normally save that shit, like honestly for the big ones. Yeah, they saved that for Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and WrestleMania. Yeah, and for that to happen at an at an in your house pay per view, you know, like that was big. And then number two, the this the job that Undertaker did when he sold. Oh my God, that's it. Like, that's my brother. It's the first time I've seen my brother in 30 years. I can't believe he survived. Paul Bear is telling the truth. Oh my God. And then he comes in the ring and, like, Undertaker refuses to fight him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was the storyline for a little bit there. Refused to yeah. fight. And, and he tombstones Undertaker. And then Shawn Michaels comes over and gives the Undertaker the one, two, three. Like, that was, that was like, there's no better way to say that than that was the my first personal oh my god moment in wrestling. Yes, no, yeah, that would be mine too. Like, yeah, whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is clearly showing wrestling fans our age here on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just amazing as hell. Uh, he comes out, 
The next day, though, on Monday Night Raw, we open up with Vince McMahon, which they never do. And Vince McMahon has something serious to tell everybody. And pretty much what happens is uh, after the uh, after the uh, In Your House Bad Blood on October 6, 1997, mm-hmm. uh, Vince McMahon opens up the show with the announcement of Brian, Brian Pillman's death. Stone Cold, Steve Austin's good buddy. Um, he they was admit, you got to remember that they mentioned that in, during the pay-per-view. They're supposed to have... Brian Pitt was supposed to wrestle. He was supposed to wrestle Owen Hart, if I remember. Yeah, and, well, I don't know who he was supposed to remember, but they say during that pay-per-view, like, you know, fans, unfortunately. And here's and here's the bullshit, by the way. This is another big gripe I'm going to have with Vince McMahon, and I'm going to save the rest of that conversation for another story because we're going to have a debate about Vince McMahon. At some point, I know we will. But Brian, he says, God, unfortunately, fans, you know, we have to tell you that this is during the pay-per-view. Unfortunately, fans, you know, we have the unfortunate obligation to tell you that Brian Pillman was found dead uh, this morning. He had a show last night in wherever, Minneapolis or wherever it was, and he was found dead this morning in his hotel room. But the show must go on, and here are midget wrestlers from Mexico. <laughs> Take his place. Like, that was it. Like, they said and it, like he was supposed to wrestle right here, but we've got midget wrestlers from Mexico getting sure. ready to have, to have a match. Yeah, no, it, it really sucks because, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't Brian Pillman uh, tag team champions and WCW with Stone Cold as the Hollywood Blondes? Yeah, um, and, and at the time, Brian Pillman, I think, not the, it wasn't, maybe it was at the time, I don't know. Brian Pillman was in the Hart Foundation, too, for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like within a matter of a couple of years, and I don't know if it was at that time, but Brian Pillman, Davey Boy Smith, and Kevin, or excuse me, Kevin, Owen Hart, all died, and then Jim Neidhart and and Bret Hart were in WCW. Yeah. So I don't remember exactly how the order went, but yeah. So that happens, and you know that 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 sucks for wrestling fans. But just like Vince McMahon said, the show must go on. Um, we do get some little scuffles with Undertaker and Kane here and there, but later on in the month, Kane will have his first official pay per view match. At Survivor Series against Mankind. That was his first. <clears throat> I just sneezed there. I'm sorry. Uh, that was his first pay-per-view match. And it was against uh, Mankind and Survivor Series. Uh, after that pay-per-view, though, Kane went on to wrestle some big names. Uh, he went on to wrestle and destroy uh, Ahmed Johnson, Road Warrior Hawk, the Hardy Boys, Flash Funk, Crush, and also Cactus Jack, Mankind, and Dude Love. At some, awesome. at, at some point there, didn't he have a, 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 a mask versus mask match with, with, with Big Van Vader? That was coming. Maybe that was later. Maybe that was, maybe that was later. I so don't remember. What, yeah, so what happens is uh, they have a brief partnership. Kane and Undertaker has a brief partnership where every time Undertaker gets beat up in the ring by X amount of guys, Kane would come out and beat the guys up, and then he would just have a stare down with Taker, and that would be the end of it. Uh, but uh, Kane actually interfered with the Undertaker's match against Shawn Michaels at the Royal Rumble, which lost Undertaker the championship. Okay. Meaning that Shawn Michaels had the title mm-hmm. and it lost his title shot. Uh, Kane uh, would actually wrestle, uh, let's see here. I believe, okay, no, no, the Mask versus match was later. So leading up, 
from October until March, you got WrestleMania 14, which we will have our own show on. We're not going to get to WrestleMania 14. But we had finally a brother versus brother match at WrestleMania 14. If I'm going to give a, if I'm, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to fucking hate me. If you're going to allow me to give you a star rating, that match would be a two star rating. Wow. Bro. Two stars for me, buddy. You're fucking ridiculously retarded. Like, that was. That was one of the best matches on that card. One hands down. Like, and that and that card had Shawn Michaels versus fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin for the strap. Now that match takes the takes the cake. Like that that takes the cake with fucking what's his name? Mike Tyson in his heyday in a DX shirt. That and then he fast counts Shawn Michaels and then punches Shawn Michaels in the face. And Shawn Michaels hurt his back during that match too. Right? Yeah. But like the Undertaker Kane match, the brother versus brother match, that was huge. It was so, it was such a great match. It took the Undertaker three tombstones, three to beat Kane. Like that had not been unheard of at that point. You know, they, they, it, it was fantastic. So this is how I'm going to argue with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, the reason why I give this one two ratings now, maybe in the future, when we do a WrestleMania 14 uh, retrospective review, then maybe my opinion will change. But right now at this moment, because I watched that match the other day to, to prepare for this episode with you, it was boring. I mean, it was a normal match. If you're going to have The Undertaker and he has a half-brother who Paul Bear fucked Undertaker's mom and boom, here comes Kane. You don't put them in WrestleMania in a normal match. You put them in a hell in a cell. You put them in a no holds bar match. You put them in a last man standing match. You put them no, in a no, match. no, no, no. Oh, you, the reason yes. you can't do the reason you can't do that at that point is because at that at that event at that event you can't out you can't upstage Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold for the strap, right? So you can't you. I mean, you as got those guys as performers had to do what they had to do the, to the best of their ability and put on the best match possible. But you can't, as a promotion, try to outshine your main event. You can't put them in a hell in a cell at WrestleMania unless it's for the strap. Well, then they, they, well, they, well, they don't have them. They had Shawn Michaels. They had Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold Steve Austin with fucking, uh, what's his name? Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson. Like, that was the main event. They had, That was the thing. It was on it was on the enti- it was on every single news outlet throughout the whole world that Mike Tyson was part of WrestleMania, and DX even had their own band. Like this was DX's time to shine. You can't you can't as a promotion do something to outshine your main event. Well, they don't right? have them at WrestleMania though. Don't have them because you cannot. Why not have it at WrestleMania? Because, because you have to finally let the Undertaker win something. You have to give the Undertaker the shot. You well, have to give the Undertaker the spotlight at WrestleMania. I understand you have to give the Undertaker the shot, but what I'm trying to say is that if you're going to have this huge storyline, which I would argue was the best storyline the WWF at that time came up with for that year, right? You have Kane, you you have Kane showing up at Bad Blood in October of '97 against Shawn, 97, 98 against Shawn Michaels. Boom, that happens. You have all this buildup. Don't have them wrestle WrestleMania against each other then. Don't have it be a normal match because, in my opinion, having a wrestling match against two of the biggest guys in the business is boring. 
There's no pizzazz. There's no well, flash. It's that's just why trees. It's boring. That's why. That's why. I mean, it was like the next month they had a fucking inferno match, which we'll get I mean, into. But right now we're talking about WrestleMania. You can't put them in a position to outshine your main event, bro. Like you just can't do it. I agree with you, you on that. So don't do have them WrestleMania. Don't yeah, have you can, them that's that's the whole point. It's why they did it the way they did it was to have it at WrestleMania. I see that. I just, I just, I just don't see it. I just. What do you do? Different. Have them have it a fucking Survivor Series a month later? You can't build that up. You can't build up how big Undertaker, or how how badass Kane is. Like the whole reason they had to give them like what was it four? Five, they had to give him five months worth of worth of Undertaker refusing to fight his brother, and Undertaker and Kane whoops his ass, and then Kane's like, oh, you know what? We're brothers. Like let's be best friends. <clears throat> to lull him into a sense of, of of being, then beat the shit out of him, and then go through the whole locker room until the until the Undertaker agrees to fight you. You have to do that for like three months, which is what they did, and that's the rest thing. That's why April came up, and that's why it was WrestleMania. And then you can build brother versus brother because you can't put them in a cage match until the which they do it the following month. They put them in an inferno match. Yeah, they light Kane good. on fucking fire, which was really awesome. Which was really fucking awesome, but they can't do that at WrestleMania because that would outshine the main event, and you, you can't do that. You can't as a promotion do it. If you as two wrestlers put on a better match than the guys that go on after you, so fucking be it, right? Well, That's I mean, your I mean, job. But, but but see, this is how <laughs> this is this is how I disagree with you because you watched WrestleMania this year. Was it WrestleMania 34 this year? Well, yeah. The greatest yeah. match, in my opinion, of the whole WrestleMania that night was the triple threat with The Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor for the Intercontinental title. That was a great fucking match. Why not open WrestleMania 14 with an Inferno match with Undertaker and Kane? I mean, like, you can't have their first meeting being just a normal fucking match. You just can't do that. I mean, like, and, this is this is, this is is a blood feud. And while I agree with you in theory, the fact that they... It was decided a year previous that they we're going to do this at WrestleMania. We have to give The Undertaker the opportunity to shine at WrestleMania again. They built this story for a year. You can't, as a promotion, put them in a match that at in the match in itself is going to outshine regardless of the performance, the main but, event. But my argument is, is that there have been matches in previous and in most recent WrestleManias where previous matches outshine the main events. That's all I'm trying to get at. And yes, well, I know that it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you put Stone Cold Steve Austin on a poster with Undertaker and Kane, Stone Cold Steve Austin would probably get more, oh, I know that guy, than the other two. I will go with you on that. And I understand that you have Mike Tyson and you have Shawn Michaels, a big fucking match. But this is brother versus brother. You fucked my mom. I'm pissed off. Match. It just... Their first meeting is it's just ah because like you said the next pay per view is Unforgiven in your house on April twenty sixth and that's when they have the Inferno match. And the only way, the only thing they could have done, right, other than make it WrestleMania, is to make it the Royal Rumble. But the reason they made it WrestleMania was because they they had to give the Undertaker. The opportunity to have an emotional match and for you to have an emotional tie to The Undertaker because they didn't have that at that time. The Undertaker was just still was the dead man, right, who he had always been, but he was he, the storyline and the people were quick giving a shit about him. 
You know, he, he didn't have a title shot for how long? He didn't have a title run. He was in the – he was – the only reason they gave him a title run was for the uh, – for, for Kane to fucking fight him for it. I just told you a little bit ago that he had a title shot against uh, against Shawn Michaels at Royal Rumble in that January. But, all right, it, it doesn't matter. Look, that's just my opinion. That is your opinion. Uh, I just felt that's what they needed to do. But, yes, on Unforgiven and In Your House on April 26th after WrestleMania, Undertaker defeated Kane in the Inferno match, uh, which was a great fucking match. Uh, Bear tried to – Help Kane interfere, but uh, Undertaker sets Kane's right arm on fire. And then after that, the next month at Over the Edge in your house is when Kane defeated Vader for the mask versus mask. Okay, so I was I was I was wrong with the time frame. Yeah, but after all the arguments that we've had so far, the disagreements, Kane debuts as Kane in October of 1997, right? Mm-hmm. He has his WrestleMania debut. It's great. He has his Inferno match. It's great. Whatever. But uh, on June 1st episode of Raw, Kane defeated The Undertaker to become the number one contender for the WWF title. At King of the Ring, Kane defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin in a first blood match, which mankind interfered. And the Undertaker to win the WF championship, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Kane lost the title to Austin the following night on Raw. So pretty much what I'm saying is that it was Kane, that is his first and only title, is that Kane beat Stone Cold Steve Austin in a first blood match, but then he lost it the next night. Kane here's, has never won the strap since. Here's, no, he, are you sure about that? I'm going to double check it Here's what here's what I want you to do. I want you to I want you to legit take a minute and I want you to tell me why you think like I want I want you to take a minute and tell me what you think about that match because it was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane in a first blood match and Kane's covered in in leather and, and shit. So just I, just take a minute and tell me what you think about that match like legit. I've watched that match in the past 6 months so it's fresh in my mind. Uh, Jim Ross and and and, and uh, Jerry the King Lawlers really sold it to the audience that they even brought that up. We know Kane is covered, blah 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 blah. blah. So their storyline was referee. Uh, I'm going to get his last name, but Earl Hefner, Earl whatever. Well, you know, like you know, what I'm talking about you know, like the main re- uh, the main referee that everybody liked. You know, what I'm talking about. Um, he uh, would not allow a little bit of blood. Uh, to actually occur. He would want a full spurt of blood. So I think they were really focusing on Kane's left arm to see if that would happen. But that's just my opinion. I mean, Kane had to have had uh, his left arm be completely gouged in order to lost that match. Because you're right. That is kind of shitty, you know, that you got Stone Cold Steve Austin, which he has nothing protecting him besides Trunks, so he can easily lose, but you know having Kane uh, be completely covered from head to toe is just completely shit. And I don't know why they decided to go that route to have him just lose it the next day. You know, uh, it doesn't make sense, <coughs> but that's just kind of my opinion. You know, like yeah, no, I mean, I I hundred percent agree with that. I mean, it's it's look, I mean. That was part of like the stupidity at that point of, of some of the storyline. Like, 
And they even said, like, how is Stone Cold Steve Austin supposed to make Kane bleed? Like, first of all, Kane's a monster. <laughs> and sure. then he's covered in shit. Like, he can't. How the fuck is he going to bleed? No, I, you're right. So after after he wins the title against, which, by the way, sucks. Stone Cold Steve Austin never won the WWF title until WrestleMania that year in WrestleMania 14. And he wins that in March. But in June, July, he loses the title only five, six months later to Kane in order for Kane to lose the next day. But we're going to get the start of the Brothers of Destruction. In 1998, Kane formed a tag team with Mankind, which they won the tag team titles twice, which I found interesting. Yeah, so, like, you start to really, at that point, get the the humanization of, of Kane. He's no longer, I think at that point, he no longer has Paul Bear. I think they buried Paul Bear in concrete by then, Yeah, if I, re- if I remember right. Um, so the character of Paul Bear may, I may, he may not, maybe he's not dead. I don't remember exactly how it was, but like, like if I remember right at that time, if Kane was on his own, he, the Undertaker uh, was a bad guy and Kane was starting to go over, like people were starting to like Kane because he like, he became a, he wasn't a good guy, but like he, he was starting to become cool. Like he started to talk and then yet, he became a yet. good guy. No, not yet. Am I, am I still jumping the gun? Yeah, they're still jumping the gun. Okay. Uh, but so, okay. So mankind and Kane form a tag team. They won the titles twice after losing the titles and, and, and actually Kane turning on mankind, Kane formed an alliance with the undertaker and the duo would be dubbed the Brothers of Destruction in 1998. And then at uh, the pay-per-view Breakdown in Your House, which is a terrible title, I would say Breakdown is as bad as Great Balls of Fire as the title, <laughs> as the worst title. Uh, <laughs> Kane and The Undertaker will verse again. Uh, Kane, Undertaker, and Stone Cold Steve Austin will compete in a triple threat match for Austin's title. Uh, and actually, Kane and Undertaker were were prohibited from pinning each other. That was Vince McMahon's thing. Kane and Undertaker cannot pin each other. Uh, but after that match, the brothers fought one another for the vacant WWF title at Judgment Day in your house, and the match ended in a no contest when uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin did a double pinfall countout and declared himself the winner. So then Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the match uh, at, 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 at that point. Um, now, to go on your thing, some other stuff happens, you know, at rock bottom third worst title for a pay-per-view. Uh, Kane interfered in the Buried yeah, Alive Rock, match. Rock had a whole TV show named after him. They had to give him a fucking pay-per-view. Fuck yeah. I mean, We will probably do top 10 list in the future, but my vote for like one of the top 10 would definitely be Rock Bottom in your house as one mm-hmm. of the worst titles. It's just stupid. But in that pay-per-view, Kane interfered in a Buried Alive match between Austin and their taker. And uh, attacking Undertaker and costing the match. As a result, the corporation, which was like man, Shane, you know, the Stooges, uh, they actually had Kane committed into an insane asylum. But Kane actually joined the corporation in order to stay out of the insane asylum. But he was portrayed by them later on. Now, here comes Kane. Here comes the genesis of Team Hell No. Kane forms a team, a tag team with X Pac. And, yeah. Kane, and Kane starts dating Tori. Yeah. So, so this, so this is where I jumped the gun. Like he, 
this is where he starts to talk and he's like he says suck it on air like suck yeah 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 what he did and, and i'm gonna interrupt you but what they did was he put one of those voice boxes for people that smoke mm. against his throat and that's, that's right yeah, that's yeah. right i remember that now but continue and, yeah and over the course of time like they made kane like this the cool dude you know like people started to cheer for him they liked him and and I will say this personally, I think the storyline they gave him with, with X-Pac was awesome, right? Yeah, because they won the titles twice. They won the tag titles twice. Yeah, they were they were like best friends and, and, and whatnot. And it turned out that the whole time he was just using him, right? And they were tagged, like they were tag titles. They were like best friends on TV. And then at WrestleMania 2000, they had a match because they were just using him. If I remember right. Yeah. And then uh, it was him and who the fuck was it? Him and fucking Rikishi. Him and him and Rikishi or something like that. Maybe yeah, it, was, yeah. Yeah, it was a Rikishi. It was, it was okay. So what happened was um, X Pac and uh, Kane won the tag team titles twice. So at this point, Kane is four time tag team champions. Um, Tori portrays him and she starts fucking X Pac. So then at WrestleMania 2000, not WrestleMania 16, WrestleMania 2000, because everything in 2000 was called whatever 2000, yeah, right? Yeah, Even uh, Chris Jericho came out, Y2J. Well, yeah. Uh, Kane and Rikishi uh, went in a tag match against X-Pac and Road Dogg. But, after Wrestle- but during WrestleMania, Kane actually injured uh, his, uh, his uh, hand, which he was gone for a while after that. So let's let's if you don't mind let's take it let's let's talk about that that relationship between Kane and X-Pac, right? Like that was the first humanization of Kane. Yes, okay. with the suck it and yeah. Yeah, so and Kane still at this point was still like the burn victim, right? He was still the demon incarnate, but he was starting to come into his own, he was starting to do his own thing as a character and they they needed him to change, right? Because that idea became stale. Sure. So they used they, you know, they used him to put X Pac over, right? And because X Pac was just like the nobody part of 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 DX at that point, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So they gave Kane a story with X Pac, and then like X Pac became the bad guy. Mm-hmm. They were best friends. He got himself a girlfriend, like you said, and Tori. He was talking. He was cool. Then all of a sudden, he gets betrayed by X-Pac, right? Like, they were using him the whole time. And then, like you said, the storyline was that X-Pac and Tori started to date. And they cheated, and she cheated on Kane. And, like, that turned Kane back into the, the, the fucking demon, right? Like, but he was still True. the cool guy. He was just all pissed off. Yep. So no, that yeah. was cool. That was the first... That was like the first real look into what would become, like you said, I don't want to call it the brother or the, the team hell no, but like it was the first humanization of, of that character. And it was awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that I understand that characters have to evolve. You know, you can't keep on having every time Jason kills somebody with a machete, you have to do something new, you know, like mm-hmm. have it be an imposter Jason in part five or Jason in New York or Jason versus Carrie, you know, I, Right. I get that. You know, you you have to change it up to try to do something new. Uh, but Kane comes back in May, and he starts to feud with the McMahon-Helmsley faction with The Undertaker and The Rock. 
So he joins Taker and The Rock against the McMahon family um, faction thing, right? But now here's when shit starts to hit the fan. Kane um, turned face, actually, when he reformed his alliance with Undertaker after the Royal Rumble in 2001, right? And mm-hmm. if he set a record. He uh, he eliminated eleven wrestlers and was the runner-up. He was like number six entry, and he was and he was eliminated by Stone Cold Steve Austin at the end, right? That was the, at the time that was the greatest Royal Rumble run in the history of of the Royal Rumble, right? It's like that was that was huge, and that was big. Like think about it, like that dude. They've always had him in like the almost almost position, right? He's been sure. in an almost title shot for the entirety of his career. Mm-hmm. They, that, that idea of like Kane being the guy you can't eliminate from the Royal Rumble. And then he comes in and just dominates, eliminates a bazillion dude stayed in there for like an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a record. That was a record up to that. I think. I would argue with you. Uh, I'm sure you will agree, but uh, even till now, Royal Rumble 2001 in new Orleans is the best and greatest Royal Rumble of all time. What, what makes you say that? It was damn near perfect. I mean, You're right, talking just the match or the event in its entirety? The match, the Royal Rumble match. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, there okay. there were other matches that were interesting and good, but overall, the Royal Rumble match, which we'll get into that in another episode later on. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kane actually wrestles against Raven at WrestleMania 17. Uh, with the big show, it's a triple threat match for the hardcore title, right? Which was retarded, like fucking it is. Raven. Raven, like the the the, the depressed fucking emo Broad, dude, and then, yeah. and then giant, two giants. Do you know that he got sued? Be, uh, um, uh, Raven got sued by Pearl Jam because of his finishing move. No. Yeah, so... Um, what did he call right. it? Did he call it Jeremy or something? Ah, no, uh, what happened was uh, his character was supposed to be a grunge rocker. That was that was his intent as the character. Another great creation by Paul Heyman. Continue. His finishing move was even flow. Ah, that's right. That's Yes, you're right. So, you know, they had to... So then after that whole lawsuit, he started to do his, with his WCW stuff, it was, you know, quote the Raven, nevermore. Mm-hmm. So it was the nevermore and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but something big happens to Kane. Kane and, Unger, uh, Kane and Undertaker begin teaming as the Brothers of Destruction, and then they form a feud with Edge and Christian, Rikishi and Haku, and then the, two, and then the two-man power trip. But... Kane at Judgment Day that year defeats Triple H to win the Intercontinental title. Kane mm-hmm. now becomes a Grand Slam champion. Yeah, like that dude, for somebody who's put like people over, he held the title for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. He, he, by, at this point, he's had the, the tag titles, what, five times now, six times? And he has the Intercontinental title, and he had the Hardcore title. He had what he, what he beat. He beat like Triple H for the for the, the, Intercontinental. the Intercontinental. Yeah. Um, for the fans who don't know what a Grand Slam champion is, a Grand Slam champion is you at least held every title the WWF or E 
had to offer at that time. So you had to win the heavyweight title. You had to win the Intercontinental, the tag, and the hardcore title in order to be considered a Grand Slam champion, which he was the third one only at that time to do it. Next one was Kurt Angle. Okay. So now we get into some shit. The storyline leading up to SummerSlam 2001 is Kane and Undertaker are now blows to destruction again. And they're feuding with DDP and Canyon because of DDP's infatuation with Undertaker's wife, Sarah. Who better than Canyon? Right? Oh, yeah. God. So now, in 2002, because we were talking about SummerSlam 01, right? I can get back into it. Right. In 2002, Kane starts the unmasking process. Kane shows up in 2002 wearing a whole new see-through outfit with his mask exposing from his nose down. What do you think about this? Kane had his same outfit, give or take some modifications here and there, Mm -hmm. from 1998 until 2002, and now he's starting to show his face. Are you getting nervous? I'm getting nervous. Well... The whole kayfabe thing, like with him being this burn victim, is is by now nobody gave a shit, right? Like, yeah, I was surprised because he was supposed to be this burn victim, and then he doesn't have a shirt, and then it's just pants, and then he takes his mask off, right? And he has the worst haircut of all time. Like, to get your hair that long, it takes a long time to grow, and I don't know if he just shaved it just to do that. Well, right? again, you're jumping ahead of yourself, but yes. Okay, like may, I, I apologize for jumping ahead of it, but like that, that fucking that that whole unmasking thing is like it was it, it was needed. I mean, again, it was needed to refresh the character and blah blah blah. But like it did, it ruined the behind the scenes. It did. It ruined the kayfabe because the moment where he takes his mask off completely was in two thousand four when he fell in love with Lita. Well, he married her on he married her on Raw or something like that, and then he tombstoned the priest. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and then uh, Kane and Matt Hardy faced each other at SummerSlam to Death Do Us Part match. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened. <laughs> this is now remember that's a, very, that's a very WCW Eric Bischoff style match, right? <laughs> Judy yeah. Bagwell, on, Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Now, now to all the. To all the people that are listening still, I have who would who would listen to our SummerSlam 2001 pay-per-view. I made it very clear um, that I watched wrestling every Monday uh, from 1997 until mm-hmm. SummerSlam of 01. Uh, I don't know what happens anymore after 2001 because after because August 2001, I started high school and I was in the frame of mind of. I want to play sports and 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 see what a vagina looks like. I don't have time for wrestling. <laughs> I want to see what the hype was about with vagina. So now call that as you will, call that sexist, call it whatever you want in this PC culture nowadays. But that that was where my head was at in August of two thousand one. Oh, you were fifteen year old boy, fourteen year old boy, right? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, who's? Let's be realistic. What teenage boy who's finally discovered his penis? That's that what you know, what what boy doesn't totally just have vagina on the brain at all times. Of course. I mean, and that's a whole nother show topic. 
But, uh, but you know, at the time, you know, it was just after SummerSlam 01, that was it. I didn't like the WCW angle. We went over that in SummerSlam 01's episode. Check that out in our archives. It just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. And also, Kane in this period of time from 2002 to 2004 made a shitty movie called See No Evil, which if you are a fan of Colin in the Ring, then you are definitely a fan of Movie Guys Podcast, and you know that we love movies, and See No Evil is absolutely the pit. And I, it's just, I was not into it. Not into it at all. Now, Kane had a title shot in 2005. He returned in October of 2005. And he won an 18-man battle royal. And he was going against the Big Show for the WWE title at Taboo Tuesday. What okay. a fucking shitty title again. We got we to do a fucking top 10. Because a top 10. Bottom 10. Bottom 10. Like, Jesus. Taboo Tuesday. God, Vince. You're uh, so what the fuck did they have? It was, uh, and they later had uh, not just Taboo Tuesday. They had, like, Cyber Sunday. Yeah, where like the fans got to vote. There two had wrestlers in the ring, and the fans had to vote on what match they were going to have, and they revealed it live on air. And it was like, oh, we've got, you know, we've got, you know, the fucking Brooklyn Brawler versus Chris Jericho in a steel cage match. Fans, <laughs> if you want to watch the dub, if you want to watch an old man like Vince McMahon from 2002 to 2005, try to figure out the internet. Watch that point in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely. He doesn't understand the internet. He just doesn't he, understand he, it. He not only does not understand the internet, at one point, like, aren't like, at one point he calls two black people the N-word on fucking Monday Night Raw. Well, then he also has Matt Hardy come out, and Matt Hardy is, is gimmick at that point before he's broken Matt Hardy at a TNA later on. But he comes out as this internet matt hardy thing where they call i forget what the fuck they called him but it was something like with matt hardy and the internet and that was his character and it's like what are you doing like god fucking damn it <laughs> just just stick to john cena because at this point john cena became big and everything else but in 2006 uh Vince mcmahon decided to open up ecw again and uh i believe and, and actually kane won the ECW championship within that period of time. Um, and then uh, let's, and then he won the world title again in 2008 through 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won the world title at the great American bash. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, he also earned a spot in the money in the bank ladder match at WrestleMania 25. And it was won by CM Punk. If you remember that. I don't remember that. No, I don't remember that. And then uh, during the 2009 draft, Kane became the first overall pick, and he was drafted to SmackDown. And then he started a feud with CM Punk, which we will talk about CM Punk in a later pay-per-view. I mean, later later show. But uh, Kane gets reimagined in 2011, and he forms Team Hell No with Daniel Bryan in November 2011. That's the first start of Team Hell No. Oh, didn't he have like that? He had that Man in the Iron Mask mask for a yes. while. Yes, yeah, at uh, <laughs> WrestleMania at WrestleMania 28, which was mm-hmm. April 2012. Uh, just 
Interesting look. He threw Zach Ryder, who was in a wheelchair, off the off the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that sucks, though, is that he beat up Cowboy Bob Orton, fucking Randy Orton's dad. Why do you have Kane come out in the '90s with a full mask and get up, and then you slowly start to deteriorate his mask, and then you realize that he's not a burn victim, and boom, this is Kane. And then WrestleMania 27, 28, he comes in with the man in the iron mask, Leonardo DiCaprio style, and form Team Hell No. Just, ugh. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it was just this, the, the thing that needed, ref- it was just a character that needed the refresh. Absolutely. And then, like, right after this, and I'm probably, again, I'm probably jumping way ahead. Like he becomes the the director of operations after like when she, when when Stephanie McMahon and Triple H start to form what they now have as the the authority or was well, that, the authority yeah yeah so the authority yeah the authority lasted from 2013 to 2015 before that time though Kane went off to film the sequel to See No Evil titled See No Evil Two Kane mm-hmm. comes back and joins the authority and becomes corporate Kane with the suit and everything. In 2013 to 2015, uh, Kane also has a feud with Seth Rollins and the Wyatt family in 2015. And then just uh, last year, Kane comes back on October 16, 2017, on Raw. And Kane uh, joins a steel cage match against Braun Strowman and joining the Miz's team in uh, TLC. And that is the pay per view this last year where uh, Braun Strowman uh, dumps all those chairs onto Kane. And we don't see Kane ever again. I mean, he forms Team Hell No a little bit, and his last pay-per-view was Extreme Rules, where they were fighting against the Bludgeon Brothers, which is the worst gimmick that Vince Man has come up with since The Dentist. Full circle. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, in, 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 I, in you're right. I mean, I, I, as we were talking, I reconfirmed, like, Kane was uh, the the he, he had the the heavyweight title once, the ECW title once, the hardcore title once, or excuse me, the heavyweight title twice. I'm sorry, two time uh, heavyweight champ. Um, and then he had the he was Intercontinental champ twice, and then he's been the tag champ like a bazillion times. Of course. Right? So he, you can we say that that Kane, although known for his singles career is one of the greatest tag team champions of all time. Yeah, which which is, you know, we didn't talk about it much, but I feel that they should have done more with the Brothers of Destruction. They should have had them go on maybe a little bit longer, feud with more. But when you have Kane and Undertaker teaming up together, mm-hmm. who are they going to go against besides Mark Henry and the Big Show as a tag team, as an example? Yeah, well, I, I, I think – he was like a what? He's a twelve-time tag team champion, right? Oh, he's, he's I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that there were top guys that had the title more. I'm sure that there were dudes who like men and women who have and will have had the, the tag titles more. But like, he had the WCW Tag Champions with the Undertaker. We talked about that in SummerSlam 2001 when they beat DDP in, 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 in Canyon. Um, and then he was the he was the WWE slash WWF uh, tag champs with, with Mankind, The Undertaker, X-Pac. I forgot about the Hurricane. Yes. I forgot, I forgot about the Hurricane. Uh, RVD and The Big Show twice and Daniel Bryan. 
I mean, Kane, Kane overall has a great career. Um, I'm sad to see that he's no longer with it. I'm glad, though, that I started to get back into wrestling in 2016, and I got to see his last pay-per-view. Uh, that was really fun to see. Kind of a nice little, you know, bookend for me when it comes to the character of Kane. I saw him premiere, and now I saw his career retire, and I will be looking forward to his Hall of Fame speech because that will be fucking fun to see. Um, yeah, if if Pete Rose gets in the WWF Hall of Fame, so does fucking. If Donald Kane. Trump can get into the WWF Hall of Fame, well, if Donald Trump can get into the fucking White House, anything's possible. It's true, but Donald Trump is a WWF <laughs> Hall of Famer, so is Schwarzenegger. So, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. They have to do their celebrity bullshit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, uh, exactly. It's the way it is. But all right, well, you know what, everybody? Thank you so much. I would say for listening to this episode about Kane. Uh, we hope this was informative to everybody. This was definitely fun for us to talk about. But uh, make sure to continue to download us and check us out at movieguyspodcast.com, movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. On iTunes, search Movie Guys Podcast. And on Spotify and on uh, uh, iHeartRadio, search for Movie Guys Podcast. On Twitter, tweet us up at MovieGuysPod. And on Facebook, Movie Guys Podcast. Uh, if you love this show, call it in the ring. This is a sister show to Movie Guys Podcast. Ed and I are big wrestling fans, so we decided, hey, instead of us talking about wrestling for two hours on the phone like like complete nerds, let's just do a show about it <laughs> since we have time. And that's what we're doing. So, And remember also, this is not a weekly show. This is not like Movie Guys Podcast where it's a weekly show. Uh, this is a twice-a-month show. So we will keep everybody informed on Twitter when our next, uh, when our next uh, review or retrospective episode will be coming out in the future. But uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Ed, I had a great time talking, like always. I love fighting with you. It's a great time. So, everybody, have a good night. And we'll be back next time for another great episode for Call into the Ring. Have a good night. Suck it.